Hey, welcome back to MarTech Interviews. On the line today, I have Randy Frisch. He's the CMO and co-founder of Uberflip. This is MarTech Interviews, a podcast from DK New Media, publishers of MarTech, the leading publication for sales and marketing professionals to research, discover, and learn how technology is driving business results. Your host is Douglas Carr. After months of strategizing and prepping budgets and looking at how we're going to position ourselves in the market, I didn't have anyone to fall back on. And I remember pulling the lever for all those campaigns, biting my nails, and just staring at the computer pretty much the entire day. This was the moment where, okay, we hired this guy to do exactly what he's saying. Now it's up to him to deliver trying to figure out the best way to serve ads to our customers. To me, it was a black box. AdRoll came in and said, we should target these users at this cadence, this frequency. We doubled our revenue based on what we were projecting for November, December. Succeeding after I've put myself on the line like that, it does give me confidence. To find out how TeePublic and 37,000 other brands grow their businesses with AdRoll, visit adroll.com slash martech. That's A-D-R-O-L-L dot com slash MarTech. Randy, well, thank you for joining me today. I love having you on the show. I having just met you, what, a few months ago at Connex? Absolutely, Doug. Yeah, that, that was fun. I, th- I think we ran into each other in the hallway yep. and uh, you had just taken in one of the sessions. I know you were eating it up and uh, you know it was, a, it was a packed couple of days up there in Toronto, both in terms of people and you know amazing speakers. I, I couldn't be more proud of uh, what our team was able to pull off. Oh, I absolutely agree. I had a great conversation with Jay Bear about it. And I said, you know, I've, I've, I've gone and uh, participated or spoken at, at virtually every content social media event and digital marketing conference in the United States. And uh, one of the things that really just stood out to me, one, obviously the caliber of the speakers that you had were just incredible and the quality of their presentations as well. Uh, I didn't, you know, a lot of times when you're on that circuit, uh, you hear the same things kind of echoed over and over and maybe the the guy brings the same presentation or the lady, you know, from the last five years that they've been doing. Uh, but the the content that you guys were putting out there was so fresh and so diverse. And That's then, great. And then the other side of it that I thought was amazing was, uh, it had all the quality of a, you know, a massive, massive worldwide digital media conference, but it was fairly personalized there. Yeah. You know, it's so it, it's grown a lot, right? Like I, I remember the first time we tried to do this and for everyone's context, we do this, this conference in Toronto, which is our hometown. It's a great city, great metropolitan city and, and so accessible. Uh, and you know, there's a lot of, of great buzz around both technology and marketing, you know, given that, that Toronto is, is such a major, you know, media center. Yeah. But, uh, you know, the first time we did this a few years back, like we struggled to get 200 people out, but, you know, we, we really focused, you know, as you kind of put it, it was, we wanted the right people there, right? Like we didn't want to just like, you know, put out an invite and anyone who want to come should come. I mean, it, it kind of has evolved that way. Anyone can come, but you know, it's, it's getting the right people in. So it's, it's grown. We had a, we had just over 750 people this past summer. Uh, we're doing it again next summer, again in Toronto. 
and you know we've we've had a lot of talks because we we've basically doubled every year and we're we're challenging ourselves on like is it is it about doubling or is it about getting the right people out because as right. you said it's it's getting the right content for the right people and also i think a big element of it is that networking aspect that we all look forward to at conferences where we you know we can chat with people i mean i i was just last week at um marketing profs event in in san francisco so that's ann hanley's event and it's it's a great event right like you know great people really bright people the speakers as well are all really you know really people who i admire and learn from and enjoy hanging out with um and it was you know exciting for me to be you know part of the of the speaker lineup but you know i just love going there right And, and that's what we want this event connects to be and that's i think that's a big reason that you know, as you, as you hit on Jay Bear, actually, who I've known for years now, um, you know, asked if, if this could be kind of his, his, uh, you know, staple event. So as much as he speaks all year round, this is an event that he, he's a partner in and helps plan now. Yeah. It's well, you guys are just knocking it out of the park and I'm, and I, and I am saying that with absolute sincerity and Toronto is just a fantastic town. So, um, I don't know if you knew, I, I actually, went to high school up in Vancouver, British Columbia. And so I've, nice. got, yeah. And so I've got family and stuff up in Toronto. So I go up and it's, you know, uh, I, I get to see all my old friends and family and I get to go take part in that event, which is just magical. Um, and let's, let's talk about that magic because, uh, Uber flip, uh, your, your podcast, the, the entire basis and premise behind, you know, the company and the platform is making content and experience. And, uh, and I, you know, everybody talks about content marketing, but how do you distinguish when you're talking to people about, you know, what's a content experience versus let's say a typical, you know, content marketing strategy that we've seen companies, you know, produce for the last decade. Yeah, absolutely. Doug. I mean, you know, first off, you know, yes, I have been talking about content experience for years, uh, but no one really cared for a long time. And, and I get that, right? It, we were we were looking forward to a problem that would kind of present itself at a certain stage. And, and I think we're there, as you said, right? I mean, yeah. it's why a lot of a lot of people have started to take notice. I mean, we can we can hit on all the momentum lately. You know, earlier this year we were able to raise over $30 million for our business, which is very much focused on content experience. As we hit on earlier, we have that event you now where where 750 people come together. We have the the podcast podcast that we do as well called Connex, the content experience show we do with Convince and Convert, where last I checked, we're well over 10,000 downloads uh, per. Uh, and, uh, you know, and then more recently, G2 Crowd actually said, it's time that we actually have a category that they report on called content experience. And, and that also kind of came from, as you said, clarifying what is content marketing and what is content experience. So I actually have a book coming out on this in, in February. Um, and I'll, I'll kind of give you the backstory. It's, it's kind of a funny one um, where I was, so anytime I, I, I jump on a plane uh, and I have to go a long way, you know, being in Toronto, if I go out to San Francisco, which I do very often, there's, believe it or not, these days, there's still no Wi-Fi. Right, which I don't know about you. I, I don't understand, you know, how how we're still in that age. But in a good way, those are the times where I'm able to pump out some content, right? And I, a, about a year ago, I was, you know, sitting down and and I was, I just read a report from Serious Decisions, right? And they're they're a thought leader, kind of like a Forrester or Gartner, yeah. you know, type of group. Um, and the the 
the study revealed that of all the content we're creating, and you know, it talked about like this idea that 70% of content will be created more this year by marketers than the previous, but of all that that we keep creating, 60 to 70% of it actually goes unused in organizations. Right. And I'm like sitting there reading this report about to take off, and I'm like, that's just that's just messed up. Like that that makes no sense. And and I I started to feel guilty myself because sometimes I'm there telling my team like we got to get this many posts out per week. We got to like just create more and more content to feed our audiences. And and it it made me realize like what is the point of all this content, right? So I ended up writing a post as I do with you know no Wi-Fi, no connectivity, and and the the. I, I don't know if you're comfortable with you know the odd uh, profanity. Can I go that way? I, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Okay, I, I'll I'll be strategic with them. But you know the the headline of the post that I sent to my team, and and before I tell you the headline of the post, whenever I send these, the team's always like, "Oh, awesome! One less post we have to write." Right? They're usually really excited. But in this instance, the headline of the post was "fuck content marketing," right? <laughs> and and instead of the "can't wait to post this," I got back. There's no way we're posting this, right? <laughs> and and yeah, you know, we had a back and forth, and I'm like, no, 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 you got to read it, you got to you got to get to the point that I'm making. And you know, they they weren't even willing to read it. They're like, you're going to offend every content marketer who we work with, like people whose job it is to create content. And I was like, well, that's the problem, right? Like that's the problem with this term. It's it's that even the job title of content marketer in many organizations, many great content marketers, you know, were journalists before, they were editors before, and, and they've transitioned into this ability to take that skill that they have and write great, compelling stories. But if you go to, you know, the, the you know, oldest definitions of content marketing that I like to go to are like Joe Pluzzi and, and, and Robert Rose at, at CMI, where, where they talk about you know, creating content to attract a clearly defined audience. But we so often forget about that need to attract the audience, right? Or like we may write for the audience, but as a result, more and more, all of this led us to defining content marketing as content creation, right? Yeah. And, and and it didn't stop with job posts, right? Like, you know, technology as well, right, uh, came out. Like you've got companies who, who are content marketing platforms. So even look at, you know, Forrester or, or, uh, or Gartner who do like, you know, a, a wave or a magic quadrant on, on a CMP, a content marketing platform. And, the, you know, both the solutions that, that rank highest, plus if you look at, at some of the criteria, it's all around things like workflow and calendar and editorial and you know how do we get you know buy-in for that asset to you know to be created and persona management but it has nothing to do with what do we use all this content for afterwards right so you know go back to my original point right which was i've been talking about content experience for years but we weren't yet at a point where we realized we could create content so easily and that we would get to a point where we would be able to become a content factory, if you will, uh, and produce all this amazing content that's sitting there and to, to that article I read going unused. And that's where I think content experience comes into play because it's, it's really where we start to think about now that we have all this content, what are we going to do with it? It's, it's, it's such an important distinction that I, I'm going to go ahead and repeat it, you know, and that's that, exactly what you said. Everybody talks about 
best tools, but they only look at, at those tools from a perspective of maybe it's, you know, uh, the cost of the tool, the implementation, maybe the support, the platform, uh, the process, the workflow, all of those pieces, which none of which have to do with the audience. Right. right. You know, and so I, 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 I love that point because it, it says nothing about, you know, how people are interacting with that content or even even how successfully people are engaged with that content. So I, I, I love this because I, what I've been telling people for years is I cannot stand the question of, you know, uh, working in the agency world, you know, how many blog posts per week or how, what word count do you want on that? You know, those are two questions that absolutely drive me insane because I, I look at that and I say, I have no idea what a best practice like that is. What, what's a best practice, you know, for explaining Uber flip to an audience? Well, you yeah. don't, you don't know until you make it an experience, right? Absolutely. No, it's funny. I mean, a lot of us get caught up there, right? We, we keep getting caught up on, how, you know, what kind of content should we create and, you know, you know, how many blog posts versus how many eBooks versus, 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 right? Like what's the best balance, you know, what format is, is reigning the best, but what, what a lot of us fail to do is really think about, well, who's going to consume this content and when in the buyer journey. Right. And it's, yep. it's funny, like sometimes I go out to people and they say, well, listen, we're, we're just not at the stage where we're ready to focus on content experience. Like that's not a priority for us this quarter. You know, it's not, a, you know, we're, we're nearing the new fiscal year uh, for many people. It's not a 2019 plan for us. Right. Uh, you know, we're thinking about it in 2020. And, and my answer to them is like, that makes no sense right. for you to, for you to say, you know, even just logically for you to say it's not a focus, that's one thing. But what bothers me the most is when people say, oh, we're just not there yet. And I say, well, if you don't, it's not whether you're there or not, your content experience exists, whether you put attention to it or not. Mm -hmm. The question is whether the experience you're putting in front of people is helping you lose deals or win deals. Like that's the thing that we have to look at because you know, the simplest way to define content experiences, if you will, is is the idea that anywhere that people encounter your content, they will encounter the experience that you're delivering. Now, I, I like to break down that idea of experience because some people's eyes kind of glaze over. They don't, they, you know, they have trouble visualizing because we use that word so freely, you know, everything from in-store retail experiences to, you know, going to Disney World as an experience. But to me, it's it's three key things. Three key things. The, the first one is the environment in which our content lives. Now, I'm talking for the most part here from a digital perspective. So think about things like, you know, are we optimizing for mobile? Um, you know, is it visually appealing on the screen? And I could go into a whole bunch of different buckets here. I'm not going to right now. But the the idea there being that most of us have realized those are important, but are we really optimizing for them? Right. So that's the environment. The second is the structure. The structure is where we get into this idea of how have we organized content for people to find it? Um, you know, if, if you will, like we've all fallen in love with Netflix and Spotify because they organize content so well for us. Right. We right. log into Spotify and like, you know, they have content magically picked out for us. Right. We log on to Netflix. You know, they know what content we may want. And if we don't, we can organize by different you know, themes. Or if I'm a big Tom Hanks fan, I can just watch Tom Hanks films. Right. We never used to be able to go into 
uh, a blockbuster store and find content in the way we wanted to. You know, we would we would search the whole store saying like, where is Forrest Gump? Is it a drama? Is it an action? Is it a comedy? I don't know, right? Like, right. It, it was you know you were relegated to you know the the predefined searches, and you know we actually did a an interesting report called the content experience report, which was a, a data science report. And we found that when you start just simply pacing content in more than one spot, right? So this is data that came from over 440 customers of Uberflip. And when they started to place content in more locations by thinking about the structure, they saw an eight times increase in engagement in their content, wow. right? right? It, it's wild. I mean, it, 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 the math is very simple. It's just that correlation between the two because we're putting it in front of people in the way that they're looking for it. And that that leads us to the third thing to me when you think about content experience. So we've, we've got so far environment and structure. The last one is how we compel people to engage at the end of the day, right? Like, are we putting content in front of people in a way in the front end it's engaging and do we put the right call to action beside it to convert them right because we go back to that definition of content marketing it was about attracting a clearly defined audience you know are we putting the right cookies in place to be able to track people and learn about their path along the way right. so all these things come together when we start to think about environment structure and engagement to you know, what is the point, as you said earlier, of all this content if we're not going to create it? And that was the point of my blog post. That's the point of the book that I have coming out in February. It's not fuck content marketing as in like we shouldn't do it, right? My team tried to get me to change the, the, the headline. They wanted it to be stop. They're like, you won't offend as many people. <laughs> and I was like, but that's not the point. I don't want people to stop creating content. I don't want content marketers to not exist. And their their role and their skill is amazing and often undervalued in organizations. But the reason it's undervalued, the reason it's ignored, the reason we kind of say, oh, I don't know if content's working is because the only people who have access to the co- to that content are the people who read it or the people who go to that blog tab on our website, right? That's such a small group of everyone who needs that content internally in your organization and who are going through a buyer journey, not just at the top of the funnel, but at various stages through that cycle. Well, and and uh, let's talk about that buyer journey because I think it's really important for people to, uh, you know, if we just look at our own activity online and how do we purchase you know, make that purchase information or, or, or consume that information before a purchase. We typically start at a grand level, you know, a wide span, and then we start to narrow our focus and narrow our focus and narrow our focus. But websites and, and, and uh, blogs aren't built that way, right? They're not built to take us through a natural progression to get to that level of detail that we want, and that's really right. and that's really where a tool like Uberflip comes into play, correct? Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, so so let's start with the website or blog to your point, right? Like most of us, you know, we're all guilty of this, so don't feel bad about yourself when I, you know, kind of <laughs> shame you here. But you know, most of us just organize our content on our blog in chronological way, right? Like the next post follows the previous post and so on. So that if you know, if you have an amazing post that you wrote four months ago, and you're writing a post three times a week, you know, do that math. You know, I, I can't even on the fly, but four months ago, twelve weeks, three posts—that's thirty-six. That probably means it's not on page one, 
right? right. And, and there's a there's a joke that the best place to find you know to hide something rather is on page two of Google result. The same thing applies on your website. Like people aren't going to scroll down to find that. So unless you're ranking really well, if they're trying to just understand your stance on your site, we can't hide that content down at the bottom. We need to surface the right piece for the right person at the right time. And that's really that that first step of thinking of our website in a new way. The other thing that we do on our site that we're all guilty of is we'll organize content by format, right? So all of our eBooks are together, our white papers are together, uh, our videos are together, our webinars are together, and for still for some reason making infographics, those live together. And before we know it, we we're thinking by format now. Our audience doesn't think that way. We think that way because we say, okay, well, how can we repurpose this content or how can we slice it differently? And then we just easily drop it into these buckets. But the people who come to our website, right, they don't think in those ways, right? They think about the challenges that they have to solve today, right? So, you know, you you look at a, at a company like Blackbaud who uses us and, you know, they're like a, you know, K-12 learning division. There's different challenges that that group is going to have that they need to welcome their audience to be able to navigate. And when that person gets there, they may they may need a selection of different formats. They may need an ebook, a blog post or a web and a webinar, right? They may be different topics. This may not just be the same piece of content sliced in three ways. It's just the way they're going to navigate, the way they're going to share. And to your point, Doug, like what we have to remember is there's two stats that always stand out to me. I feel like every stat in marketing has a seven in it somewhere. Um, but the first is, you know, on average, people need seven pieces of content before they're ready to buy, right? That's that's number yeah. one. The second is that it's almost seven. It's 6.8, last I checked, is the number of buyers that they estimate way into the B2B buying decision, right? Uh, that's a Gartner stat, which, you know, just astounds me. So, you know, multiply that 6.8 or seven times seven. I mean, think about how many pieces of content and how many different permutations and combinations need to exist throughout that buyer journey? And are we doing a good job to surface that stuff at the right time? Because not all 6.8 of those buyers or even one of those buyers or two of them are going to be engaging at the same time, right? One of the things that we found in our own sales cycle here at Uberflip was some of our deals were stalling at the end, right? And yeah, they were just kind of like, you know, slowing down, taking too long to close. We couldn't figure out why. And we kind of dug in, we talked to our sales team, got some insight. And one of the things we realized is sometimes it was actually just stalling with procurement, right? And the procurement person is like, you know, because we sell to sometimes mid-market enterprise companies, or procurement teams, and, and even the marketer, the marketer is championing the buy of Uberflip. They want us because they want a better content experience and they they can't wait to be able to run all these great campaigns. But the procurement person is just kind of like standing in the way because they either don't see the value or they're stuck in some of the nuances. We realize that sometimes what we need is we need some simple content at the end for that buyer, but they're not going to go navigate our blog, like I said, right? We need to be able to serve that up to them in a logical way. Hmm. That is, I don't know if we should even go on with the podcast. <laughs> is that, was that a good mic drop moment? I don't know. I, I, I mean, this stuff is like everything I'm saying to people, like you're, you're probably sitting here being like, okay, this isn't rocket science. It's just, it's just reality. Right. But, but that's what focusing on content experience is. It's, we have to change the reality, right? Yeah. The way we've done it forever 
is not going to cut it anymore, right? Like we talked about Spotify and we talked about Netflix and we talked about like that mindset that you're going to serve up for me what I want when I want it, right? And I, I don't know if you know Drew Davis. You you probably were lucky, Doug, to see him speak at I our conference. Did. But he, he was epic. Amazing. Yeah. Amazing, right? And and one of the things that he said that I I love now, and I I you know I'm I'm not stealing it because I always reference him, but he he talked about how you know we all say that you know people don't have time for content and our content should be short or I think he called it stackable. Um, but then he contrasted that with our our willingness to like binge the entire season two of Stranger Things the weekend it comes out, right? Like exactly. we're willing to all that content in if it's relatable, if it's queued up in a natural way for us. So let's go back to that that stat that we talked about earlier, seven pieces of content before we're ready to buy. Now, all of us as marketers, what do we think? We think, okay, well, we'll just drop seven pieces of content into seven emails and we'll send a drip campaign using our marketing automation platform, Marketo, you know, Pardot, Eloqua, whatever you're using. Uh, and over you know a seven week period, we'll get them you know to hopefully consume all seven emails and click through, and then they'll be ready and they'll be informed. And if you know they miss one or two, the sales team will kind of fill the gap there. Well, what happens though if that person just really loved that first piece of content? Like, how do you get them to the next one so that you know forget about making sure that they read every piece? But what if we can just accelerate that pipeline? Right. Rather than taking it seven weeks, what if you can tee up your MQL or your SQL, depending on how you think of your funnel? What if you could tee that up a little bit faster, right? Even a week faster or a day faster? How much more does that mean in terms of revenue today versus revenue tomorrow or beating your competition to, you know, to that opportunity to educate? Right. Um, I, I looked at feedback on a on a lost deal that we had, you know, this past quarter, and and one of the the bits of feedback was it took us too long to get certain information out to them, right? Certain content that they needed to evaluate their decision, right? I mean, that's we can't we can't value time enough today in in our lives, and we have right. to remember that as marketers in terms of how people are engaging with us. And and this is precisely the reason why is uh, we have to get really good at personalization, right? These user experiences, just like you said, is you might have had three different experiences for three different clients and, and two of them signed, but one of them didn't because it wasn't personalized to their needs, correct? Absolutely. Absolutely. And and, and I think people are realizing that more and more. You talk about personalization, right? And, you know, obviously an, another huge trend aside from, you know, the growth of content and how it's being used is, is strategies like account-based marketing. Right yeah. now, account-based marketing, it kind of feels like a you know it is being looked at kind of like as a, a Kevin Costner Field of Dreams type of movie, right? It's like as long as I build my list, you know, they're all going to come, right? Like all those companies are just going to buy from us. It yeah. it's, doesn't work that way, right? Like, believe me, I wish it did, um, and I wish my sales reps just knew how to like take them and go after it. I mean, <laughs> you know, what we have to do is we have to engage those accounts too. Right, I you know tiering the accounts and and expanding those lists. That's step one, right? You know, if if you look at you know flip my funnel or you know you know terminus and, and the model that they kind of you know help help uh, you know rally us around. But the next step is like, how do we actually go and engage those accounts? Now, there's there's some great strategies that, that have kind of come back from the dead, like direct mail, right? Like yep. I you know. I love it. And I, you know, I always kid, like, I love getting ABM'd when someone sends me something cute in the mail, but you know, that's only so scalable. First of all, like I, I know, 
you know, a lot of your audience, Doug, is, you know, small businesses or mid-market businesses where either they don't have that budget or, you know, they're going after so many different audiences, they can't possibly put something in the mail for everyone, right? So, you know, even if we can send that direct mail, well, what do we follow up with? Now, the most natural thing that we can personalize and make people feel special around is content. So you look at companies, you know, a great example is a a customer of ours called Snowflake. Um, And what they've done is they've said, okay, we're going to pick the accounts that we want to win. That's what account-based marketing is all about. And and now what we're going to do is we're going to show them that we understand their business and we're going to show them the ways we can solve for them, not just from a product perspective, but our ability to relate to them. So all of our content marketing, our blog posts, our videos, and we're going to handpick the ones that matter to, you know, say we're selling to Pepsi. Um, and we're going to give them all that information. Now, if we're selling to a healthcare company versus a, 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 a soda company, they may have very different needs. Some of them may overlap. So some pieces of content may work for both, but certain pieces of content may be different or certain security aspects may be very important given Snowflake's very much in the infrastructure space. So what they're able to do is build these individual pages of content, right? SEO is now no longer an issue because they're not trying to like get them to discover this. They're going to put in front of people in those marketing campaigns and make them really personalized, like putting their logos there, you know, making yeah. sure the content feels tied to their vertical or industry. And, and the amazing thing that they're seeing is maybe it's not that amazing. They're they're seeing way more engagement in these accounts, right? And the cool thing about Daniel, who's the marketer there, really bright guy who's built a a full ABM team around this is, you know, they were hacking away at this. They they did this for like 12 accounts, right? And all of a sudden, Daniel starts getting pulled into exec meetings, right? And they're like, I I don't know what you're doing, but like, you know, these accounts are so warm, we we don't know what to do. And, you know, he, he demonstrated this concept of a dedicated page of content for each account. And they're like, amazing, go do this for 100 accounts next quarter. Right. He's yeah. like, okay, that's, he's like, that's flattering, you know, and I've got great people and I've got a great process, but I can't scale on my own. And, and that's when they came to us at Uberflip. I mean, you know, our technology helps them power through this. They're now actually up to doing 300 of these a quarter, which is pretty amazing. Yeah. And he's, and, uh, for people listening, you can actually go to, uh, martech.zone, just do a search for snowflake and you'll see, uh, a lot of the notes, uh, because Daniel actually, he was fully transparent on all of the tools and processes, people, resources, everything that he was utilizing to do that. And his, his team is minuscule. He's got an international team and I forget what it was. It was just a handful of content marketers that, that he basically had on his team where he was, he was executing this strategy. Oh, absolutely. And, and I think that's a, it's a great point, Doug. It's, you know, the, the, sometimes people struggle to think, you know, okay, great. I'm, I want, you know, we're creating a lot enough content. We've got that down, but who's going to own this content experience thing. And and that's the thing to keep in mind. Like this isn't necessarily one person. Now, some companies have adopted a content experience manager. Um, you know, we naturally have that here. I mean, we're going to eat our own dog food or drink our own champagne, depending on your preferred analogy. But, <laughs> um, but but beyond that, I, I mean, it's it's getting everyone in the company to buy into this, right? Yeah. It, it's everyone from your demand generation team to your social media mar- manager, right? Um, and you know, we we wrote a great ebook on this that you can also find online if you just go Google. It's, it's it was called "Who Owns the Content Experience," right? And it really explores in companies, and we looked at different companies who are you know adopting this this 
better focus on what do we do with content after we create it? And like, how are they tackling this? How are they getting content to be better used? And as you said at the beginning, Doug, like to actually see that return. Yeah. Yeah. This is, I I am so glad that you did. Now, do you think, um, I'm going to sidetrack a little bit. Do you think that the creation of this new category with G crowd, G2 crowd, do you think that this is really going to uh, better inform and get the word out that you guys have been putting out forever? I think so. I mean, you know, go, let's go back to Daniel's, you know, snowflake example there, right? Like, you know, and, and first off for everyone listening, don't, don't run out and buy technology, right? It's, it's the last thing you should do, yeah, right? The yeah. first thing is invest in good people. That's what Daniel had. Like you said, he has a great team. Then invest in a process. Now, we have a process here that goes beyond our, our solution that we make available to everyone. It's, it's called the Content Experience Framework. And if you go to uberflip.com slash CE, as in content experience, uh, you can download that framework. It walks you through how to centralize, organize, personalize, distribute, and generate results from content, right? Um, once you've done those two things, and it's working and it's almost looking like it's going to break soon, that's when you invest in tech. And that's the same in in not just content experience. That's with everything, right? Like you got to hack away it it a little bit first. Um, But when people are ready to buy, that's where until now they've been confused, right? Because if if you look, you know, and, and not to knock Forrester or or Gartner because you know they're informing on something very important when they do their content marketing wave and their content marketing you know magic quadrant. But when you go in there and you and you just see companies like you know Capost and Contently and NewsCred who are all very you know DivHQ I could go on. They're all really important companies in helping us get content out more efficiently, right? But they don't touch any of this other stuff that we've chatted about today. So you you'll go in there, and even in the in the old content marketing grid that that G two Crowd used to have, both us and like Skyward were like you know side by side, yeah. ranking really high. And you know the funny thing is we're customers of each other, yeah. right? Like yeah. like you know we're so we're partners or people will call us and they'll be like, I'm trying to decide between you guys and Capost. You know, can you, you tell me which one's better? And our question is, well, like, what are you looking to do? Because I'm, exactly. we're not going to talk down Capost. They're actually a great company. If you're focused on your workflow and you're focused on getting content out the door, but if you're trying to actually publish content and put it in front of people with that focus on environment structure and the engagement, well, then you may be looking more at content experience. So to answer your question, what I think G2 is going to allow us to do is understand what all these solutions are for, yeah. right? Um, and 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 that's where, you know, even within them, there's still nuances, right? Like, um, you know, in, in the in the creation space, you know, some of the things NewsCred does and, and DVHQ does are, are very different than each other. Um, whereas, you know, you look even in the uh, content experience place where we got placed um, and we're there, you know, in, in the leader position, uh, but so is Showpad. Showpad does very different things, more around sales teams and sales uh, enablement. Uh, we have some sales enablement functions too, but very different. Ours is more content marketing. Theirs is more content collateral for a sales deal. Yeah. I And uh, I'm going to bounce back again because I think you said something really important there. And that was, you know, before you focus on the technology you know, look at that process. And I was, you know, when we're doing due diligence for a company that's finding a solution, 
that's the first thing we look at. What's your timeline? What are your resources? What's your budget? What's your expectation of success? What's your implementation timeline? What's your overlap of old system to new system? And and those are all kind of aspects that you can't tweak in a in a Forester wave, you know. And I'm not again, I'm not knocking them either. I think what they do is they say, you know, if you had a great team of people and you were had your processes identical these are the top solutions in a ranking order, you know, kind of thing. But, you know, each company finds itself in a fully, in a, in a far different, you know, uh, arrangement, you know, than, than typically the, the, the average client that's maybe researched and surveying, you know, on those tools. Um, so great point on that, you know, that, Hey, look at your process before you look at the technology and then find the matching technologies out there and marketing tech, especially in our world, you know, the overlap is getting bigger and bigger between every single platform. I know, I know some companies that have three platforms that can have the identical feature in each of them, you know, but it's the other features that they're pulling together that are really important. Yeah, absolutely. Well, where, Listen. Where, can, where can people go, uh, you know, uh, well, two things. One is you run a very successful uh, podcast, like you said, Randy, uh, 10,000 downloads. Uh, and so this is going to be the ideal podcast, you know, for people to go check out that really want to dig into content experience a lot more. Where can people go to listen to your podcast and subscribe to it? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so it's a great question. The The best place to go is to the contentexperienceshow.com or you can navigate it. We actually do this through Convince and Convert, which is Jay Bear's agency. Yeah. Um, so it's you can navigate off CNC's uh, you know, site to find it, but you know, I always, I always go where podcasts live, right. You know, yeah. go to Spotify, go to iTunes, Stitcher, Google play. Yeah. You know, we are on all those different locations and, uh, you know, really appreciate when people do listen and have feedback to, to let us know. I mean, it's, it's a great podcast. We, we talk to a lot of marketing practitioners, some thought leaders as well. Uh, and, and really like, how are they, how are they leveraging all that content that they're creating? You know, what are some of the meaningful things that they do? And it's, it's, there's some, there's some fun ones in there. And as people start to discover and, and are seeking a solution for this, uh, where can people go for more information on Uber flip and, and perhaps get a demo? Yeah, absolutely. Well, I, I'm going to, I'm going to encourage people to first do the learning, right? Yeah. So, you know, go, I, I, I think I gave the URL earlier, uberflip.com slash CE, right? And when you go there, you're going to get that that framework. You'll easily be able to navigate if you're ready for a demo at some stage within there. But you know, that framework sometimes will work even without software, right? And, you know, believe me, when you're ready for to buy the software, we're going to be ready for you, right? And we will be more than happy to, to walk you through that. But, you know, make sure that you've got the right framework and, you know, we, we've had really great feedback from people implementing this inside their organizations and using it as a way to think about scale because everything we're talking around personalization it's easy and fun to do as a one-off the question is how do we do it every day right you know final thought you know just to kind of leave you with is you know we use it, we talked about Spotify and what's amazing to me about Spotify is we can have a room of a thousand people. They can all take out their phone and every one of us is going to have a custom playlist made for us by Spotify, right? Yes. Like that's, that's our expectation, right? So don't tell me that you've got, you know, too many audiences or too many customers. It's, it's the same customers. Yes, they're B2B, but they're consumers at the end of the day. And there's a Google think, um, 
study that says that 80% of B2B marketers expect the same experience as B2C consumers. I mean, the funny part to me in that is, is more so like, what do the other 20% expect? <laughs> right? Like, I, I just don't, I don't get, you know, they, they must just be really sad people, yeah. uh, but, uh, who've, you know, written off, you know, life and, and things like that as far as work goes. But, you know, we have to realize that this is what people expect today. Yeah. Fantastic. Uh, Randy Frisch, uh, CMO and co-founder of Uberflip. Uh, I can't thank you enough for joining us today. This is an incredible conversation. And obviously, I will see you at the next Connex. Uh, I will be back because I enjoyed it so much. And then, of course, reach out to us when your book is coming out, and we will promote the heck out of it. So thank you. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Always, Always a pleasure, Doc. The MarTech Interviews podcast is recorded at DK New Media's state-of-the-art podcast studio at the Speakeasy in downtown Indianapolis. Subscribe at martech.zone. Sponsorships and marketing services are available through dknewmedia.com.